Good morning, Alex and friends. I'm Grace. Today is Wednesday, February 14, 2024, and you're listening to Alex's News. Turning to our weather update, residents in Riverside can expect a cool Valentine's Day, with a high of 62.5 degrees and an evening low dipping to 47.9. Keep a jacket handy as you head out this evening. In the news today, we're looking closely at the major decision from the Republican-controlled House to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas over his handling of the border crisis. This marks a pivotal moment in the ongoing immigration debate and is sure to resonate across political spheres. Also on our radar, the CDC is in discussions to overhaul its COVID-19 isolation guidelines. The changes under consideration would bring these recommendations in line with those for other respiratory viruses, signaling yet another shift in the management of the pandemic as we know it. Lastly, we'll be diving into the controversy surrounding Temu, the online marketplace that's now facing serious backlash. Amid allegations of hacking and significant data breaches, users are expressing their worries over privacy, while the company has maintained silence on the issue. We'll explore the potential impact on consumer trust and what this silence could mean for Temu's future. Stay with us for in-depth coverage of these stories and more, right here on Alex's News. Breaking news from the Capitol, the Republican-controlled House of Representatives has taken the unprecedented step of impeaching a sitting cabinet secretary. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas is now facing charges over the handling of the U.S.-Mexico border. We have Ethan with us to delve into the details of this historic move. Ethan, can you walk us through what's happening? Certainly, Grace. For the first time in nearly 150 years, the House of Representatives has voted to impeach a cabinet member. This razor-thin 214-213 vote really showcases the partisan divide over Secretary Mayorka's handling of immigration laws and border security. That's quite significant. What exactly is Mayorka's being accused of by House Republicans? Well, the charges are twofold. Republicans accuse Mayorkas of essentially refusing to enforce existing immigration laws and of being dishonest to Congress about the security situation at the southern border. They are essentially pinning the increase in illegal crossings on his policies, claiming this has spawned a humanitarian disaster. What's been the reaction from the Democrats and President Joe Biden? President Biden has slammed the impeachment as an unconstitutional show of partisanship. But what's interesting here is that, despite the heated rhetoric, Senators from both parties seem to lack interest in the proceedings. It's making pundits speculate that the Senate, which is controlled by Democrats, will likely acquit Mayorkas. What does this mean for Secretary Mayorkas and the administration's future handling of border security? It's a pivotal moment. While the outcome in the Senate seems predictable, this puts a spotlight on immigration as a hot-button issue leading up to the next election. Remember, Donald Trump, the Republican presidential frontrunner, vows to undertake large-scale deportations, and this impeachment could embolden that stance. With Trump's stance, how might this affect the Republicans' legislative agenda regarding immigration? They're walking a fine line, Grace. They're drafting their own proposals, like deporting migrants currently allowed into the U.S. under various temporary statuses. But there's resistance, even within their ranks. It seems many are wary of the electoral ramifications of a hardline approach, and yet, they're pressured to act due to their base. And there's word of further impeachment efforts targeting other officials? Yes, that's correct. Republicans have really taken an aggressive line, filing impeachment legislation against several other Biden administration officials, 
including the vice president and the attorney general. It's a reflection of the deep and escalating partisan tensions in Washington. Lastly, how's Mayorkas responding to this crisis and the impeachment? He's putting the onus back on Congress. Mayorkas argues the real issue is outdated immigration laws that haven't been revised to meet current challenges. Regardless of the impeachment outcome, it's clear the Biden administration is still entrenched in addressing not just political blowback but the very real human and logistical challenges at the border. Fascinating and concerning developments. Thank you, Ethan, for that in-depth analysis. That was story one of three for this morning's news segment. Certainly, Grace, the CDC is looking at altering their advice on COVID-19 isolation. This news comes from the Washington Post, indicating that the CDC wants to align COVID's guidelines with those for managing other respiratory illnesses like the flu. The proposed guidance suggests that individuals wouldn't need to isolate if they'd been fever-free for 24 hours, with symptoms that are either mild or getting better. That's quite a shift from the current guidelines. Can you give us more context on the key elements of those changes? Of course, right now, the official recommendation is a five-day isolation period, which was set in December 2021. Initially, they had recommended up to 14 days when the pandemic first hit. The change appears to factor in real-world behavior, with insights showing that many aren't fully isolating for the current five-day period before going back to work or school. So, they're considering this change because the current guidelines might not be widely followed? Exactly. They're contemplating a more practical approach, given how the public is responding. But it's important to note that the CDC hasn't made any official announcement yet. How are experts reacting to this potential move? Well, there's been mixed feedback. Grace. Some health experts are skeptical, saying COVID-19 isn't the flu and should be treated with greater caution. There's also concern about how individuals will self-assess when it's safe to return to their routines without a clear-cut isolation timeframe. And what could this mean for the average person if these changes are implemented? It would put more responsibility on the individual to decide when they're okay to end isolation, which could result in inconsistencies. Someone might feel they're good to go back to work or school when, in reality, they could still be infectious. This could affect not just day-to-day -day lives but also potentially increase case counts and transmission rates. That brings up the point about society at large. Are there implications for more vulnerable populations? Definitely a concern there, Grace. Older adults, people with weakened immune systems, and those dealing with long COVID may be at higher risk if the isolation period is reduced. They could need stronger preventive measures or even longer isolation times to stay safe. Now, Chloe, what are the broader implications here for things like work, school, and healthcare systems? Broadly speaking, loosened isolation protocols could see more people returning to their daily activities earlier, easing the socioeconomic strain of mandatory isolation. However, this might also mean a slight uptick in the disease spread, which could, in turn, place additional stress on healthcare services, especially during peak seasons of other illnesses. With all these factors in play, when can we expect these changes to come into force, if at all? The CDC is planning to release these proposed recommendations in April and will be seeking public feedback. They emphasize that any decision will be grounded in available evidence and science. Thank you, Chloe, for that thorough breakdown of a complex and evolving situation. We'll certainly be keeping an eye on how this unfolds. Happy to provide the insights, Grace.
Here are some other headlines. In Georgia, a crucial hearing is scheduled this Thursday, as a judge investigates claims of an improper personal relationship between Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis and Attorney Nathan Wade. This personal connection has raised concerns over potential conflicts of interest and legal accountability in an election interference case involving former President Donald Trump. Over in New York, things are heating up in the legal landscape as Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg leads a criminal case against Trump, accused of faking business records to cover up hush money payments. With pre-trial hearings fast approaching, Trump's political future hangs in the balance, awaiting the court's upcoming decisions. Turning our gaze internationally, in Gaza, Palestinians displaced by recent fighting have been forced to leave one of the main hospitals, highlighting the severe impact of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict on civilians and the strained healthcare system. Back in the U.S., Democratic candidate Tom Suozzi has clinched a victory in New York's 3rd Congressional District, seizing a seat in a special election following George Santos' expulsion. Suozzi's win has political observers eyeing shifts in the legislative balance of power and potential strategies ahead of November elections. Get ready to hitch a ride differently this Valentine's Day as thousands of drivers from platforms like Uber and Lyft are planning a nationwide strike. Demanding better wages and improved working conditions, workers hope their collective action will drive significant changes within the gig economy. That wraps up our quick look at other headlines today. Turning our attention now to Story 3, there are some serious allegations surrounding the online shopping platform Temu. Reports are surfacing about the app hacking users' devices and compromising personal information, which if true, could be a significant breach of consumer trust. Joining me to discuss these allegations in more depth is our specialist correspondent, Ethan. Ethan, can you break down what we know so far? Thanks, Grace. At its core, the allegations against Temu are fairly alarming. They suggest that the app has been injecting malicious JavaScript code into other websites that users visit from the app. In theory, this would allow Temu to monitor consumers' activities outside the app itself, collecting a variety of personal data without user consent. This potentially includes names, addresses, and even sensitive financial information. That's quite concerning. So, what are the implications for people who've installed this app on their devices? Well, the potential risks are substantial. Not only is personal privacy violated, but the gathered data could lead to identity theft or financial fraud if it fell into the wrong hands. And because Temu's cybersecurity seems to be weak, it opens up an avenue for unauthorized access to this data. You mentioned weak cybersecurity. Has there been any specific information about how Temu might be failing to protect its users' data? Yes, in fact, one accusation is that Temu's app contains malware capable of bypassing phone security and transmitting files back to the company's servers with insufficient encryption. This weak point could allow for the misuse of people's personal files and further invasion of privacy. And isn't there a backstory here involving Temu's parent company that adds another layer of concern? Indeed, there is. PDD Holdings, the parent company of Temu, was at the center of a similar controversy because their other app, Pindwudwo, was suspended from the Google Play Store for malware use earlier this year. The connection drawn is that the same engineers behind Pindwudwo are the ones who developed Temu, which could point to a pattern in the company's approach to user data and privacy. That history certainly doesn't do them any favors. Has Temu responded to these allegations? As of now, Temu has been silent on the matter. 
they've yet to publicly address the accusations or offer an official action plan to reassure their users. This silence leaves everyone in the dark about what might be happening behind the scenes and whether their information is safe. I've seen a lot of speculation on places like Reddit about Temu potentially sharing data with the Chinese Communist Party. Is there any truth to these claims? These discussions add another dimension of concern, but it's important to underscore that those claims are not backed by official sources. Until Temu provides a response, all these rumors and speculations are unverified. It's just another aspect of this story where a lack of transparency has fueled consumer worries. So, what should consumers take away from this? Is there any advice on what they should do next? Right now, it's a waiting game for an official response. Consumers should exercise caution and perhaps reconsider using the Temu app until more information comes to light. Staying informed and monitoring any updates on this situation will be key. And, if you can, review app permissions and be wary of enabling any app feature that seems intrusive or unnecessary for the services provided. Thank you, Ethan, for that very detailed analysis of the situation with Temu. Clearly, these are serious allegations that we are going to keep a close eye on. Remember to keep your personal data secure, folks, and stay tuned for any updates on this story. That's all we have for now. Today's episode was made by Alexander King with GPT-4 Turbo, GPT-3.5 Turbo, the Perplexity API, and the Google Cloud Text-to-Speech API. I hope you have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow, Alex.